0: Welcome to Renovate, the young adult ministry of Christ Chapel Bible Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We are for all young adults. Whether you're far from God or walking close to Him, we believe that our God fully knows us and fully loves us. So instead of leaving us as He finds us, He is constantly and graciously renovating our lives so we can look more like Him. Enjoy this week's message. Praise God. Hey, good evening. How are you guys? Good. I love y'all. Missed y'all. Uh, hey, if you are live streaming, we love you. We know you're there. We care about you. Uh, we miss y'all too. And we're definitely thinking about you guys. Love that you're staying safe and love that you're tuning in. Uh, this is so fun, man. I, I love getting to gather in this room. I love getting to uh, come alongside you guys and, and make much of Christ and, and proclaim these incredible things uh, about who he is. Uh, one, one cool thing that we're doing, just because we love you guys, is uh, today, uh, tonight, after, so after I preach, we're going to go back and respond in worship, and then if you want to stay in this room and pray, and then after that, um, our, our team put together the most epic uh, cookie and milk bar ever. And so when you leave here, you go out these doors and over there in that section, it's called the garden room, there are cookies and milk. And I went over there to scout it about 30 minutes ago to just make sure there wasn't too many cookies that I could offload. Uh, so seriously, stick around and have as many, there, we got all kinds of different cookies in um, COVID protected bags here. Uh, I am an Oreo guy. And so I was over there 30 minutes ago, right? Okay, amen, yeah, Jesus and Oreos. Um, I'm an Oreo guy. Uh, <clears throat> I was over there and I thought, okay, this, I, I decided I'm gonna use this as my illustration for the point that I'm about to make in this sermon, hopefully, um, and so we'll see where this, we'll see where this goes. Uh, Oreo guy, because they're the best. Uh, my, technically, my speed is more of a double-stuffed Oreo uh, because of my dad bod, and because they're just doubly as good. They're just better. They're better. They're twice as good. Uh, but I'm an Oreo guy. So, eating delicious Oreos, right? If this is making you guys stumble, all you gotta do is wait like 45 minutes and you can have your own. Oreos are great. Delicious cookies. Brilliantly designed. Here's the thing, and here's what I want to illustrate with this Oreo. This is good. But there, there is a function that this Oreo is designed for. This Oreo is not designed to simply be stood up here and eaten by me. It is designed for a function. This is incomplete without its function. Joshua? You're beautiful. Give it up for Joshua K. Story. This renovate. This is greatness, right? This is the function of, this is how it was designed to be eaten, right? Not just eating a dry, stale cookie, but a stale, dry cookie, then dipped for the right amount, of, not too long, or else it'll fall off, but long enough to really soak up the milk. Oh, there it is. Oreos are made to be with milk, right? They are designed to be dipped in milk. The guy who invented the Oreo, Thomas Samuelson, invented Oreos as a way to trick his kids into drinking milk. I totally made that up. I've, <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea who invented Oreos. I saw some of you like pull out your phone. Thomas Samuels, that sounds like a fake name. It is. That was the first name I could think of. I don't actually know who invented Oreos, but I do believe this in my soul. I believe Oreos have a function that should be with milk. Sorry. I'm going to toss this to you. Wait, well, just got COVID. I'm going to leave it right here. Um, I can't toss cups that have my droplets in it anymore. <clears throat> Frowned upon. Here's my point, guys. Here's my point my point for one is we'd love to have cookies and milk with you afterwards. My second point is this. When we function outside, right? When we are functioning outside of how we're designed, right? As silly as this illustration is, there is something lacking and incomplete. But there's no way around it. That when, when we are functioning, we're designed to function a certain way. There is a way to maximize how we are called to live and do life. And specifically in the context of where we've been this semester as a ministry, talking about community, and the function of community, and without the proper function, without the purpose behind that, then we are functioning in a way that is less than. We are functioning in a way that is, is not what it should be, and that is what tonight is about. Um, we are going to look in at the function of that. So let me preview where we're going. What I want to do is I want to review kind of where we've been in this idea of biblical community the last few months, and then I want to talk about specifically what is the purpose of biblical community? What is that function that if we're not doing, we are missing out on? Make a case for that. And then I want to challenge you with one challenge. And then I want us to respond in worship. And so, um, so I want to first kind of review. Uh, we have been in this series called To Know and Be Known um, in Renovate. And it's this idea of what biblical community is and should be. And this idea of taking a look at not just what it looks like to have friends, But what it looks like to be in community that is what we'd say gospel-centered, centered centered on the gospel, that there is a common thread in our community that's the Holy Spirit because it's people who've surrendered their life to Christ. And when you have biblical community, what should that look like? And so at the very beginning, we spent a month talking about the fact that we are, that is a necessity in our life, right? There is a God-given necessity for biblical community. Uh, We're designed for it. And then we spent two months talking about the characteristics of that community. That the characteristics, the real characteristics of biblical community are grace and truth. And we spent a month talking and unpacking once from here and then three times through, through lessons in our, in our renovate groups of what it looked like that our community, being a part of a biblical community, should be marked, should have this characteristic of grace. That the people who know me the best, the people who see the ugliest sides of me, show me grace, extend God's grace to me, that I can experience God's grace in community and that that should be a fundamental characteristic of what Christian community looks like. But then simultaneously, Christian community should also be this thing where people are speaking truth into my life, pointing out blind spots, pointing out uh, traps that I'm gonna fall in, uh, pointing out things that I don't see myself. And this beautiful balance of, the characteristics of biblical community being grace and truth. And so then tonight is going to be tonight and the next month, we will focus on the purpose of it. If that's the characteristics, then what is it actually designed for? We're designed for it. We know now how we're supposed to function in it, but what is it actually for? And I would, I would propose before us tonight and in the next three weeks, uh, we'll study this in our groups, that God has designed his community to carry out his mission that God has designed his community, biblical community, community centered in Christ, that he's designed that community to carry out his mission. And his mission, don't miss this, his mission is this, to make much of himself. His mission, our God's mission, is to bring himself glory because he is worthy of it. And because we, as his creation, are actually designed to do that. And when we're not doing that, we're not functioning in our design. and and we're not enjoying what fully should be enjoyed in our relationship, not only horizontally with each other, but also with him. His mission is to make himself known that people would know him and worship him and love him. That is the purpose of biblical community. The purpose of biblical community is that. It's not designed so that we can just huddle together as Christians and and feel better about ourselves. Uh, It's not designed just to create a a, a subculture although that's clearly what's happened, right? The Christian community has created a subculture that has um, in, in some ways thoughtfully tried to remove themselves from the world, but in doing so, they've stiff-armed the world and they're no longer testifying to who God is. And we have our own sub-community, our, our, own, our own sub-genres of literature, our own sub-genres of television and, and, and our own Christian movies, which are kind of like normal movies, but they suck, right? We just created our own little society. They are not designed for that. We're designed to live on mission in the world to proclaim who he is. So what I wanna do is I wanna drown you in scripture here for a few minutes, and I wanna show you throughout the Old Testament, throughout the New Testament, throughout the Gospels, throughout the epistles, where I'm getting this this idea. And then then I want us to kind of preview where we're going and, and challenge this, and then I want us to get back to responding to that in worship. And so um, let me start in the Old Testament for this idea that we're designed for his mission. Uh, There was this guy, Abraham, and Abraham was called by God to leave his land and basically to go to a new land, a new promised land, and then he was promised to be the father of this people group, right, that we know of now as the Hebrew people and the Jewish people. And so Abraham was called and he was put on this this mission to do this. Uh, And he was given this command That he would give birth and he would be the the bottom of the family tree to to create a nation of people. In Genesis 22 verse 18, God says to Abraham, a part of his promise, And in your offspring shall all the nations, all of the others, the outsiders, the non-Jewish people, the non-Hebrew people, the people who aren't related to you, Abraham, all of those other people, the other nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Even the idea What God did in the Old Testament was creating and calling and setting apart a community, a community that worshiped him and him alone and said, you're gonna be defined and you're just gonna be characteristics of how you live, but you're going to exist so that people might know who I am and glorify me and so that I can show my power through this community. We see it all throughout the Old Testament. We see it in Moses, right? Moses leads people out, of, of slavery and, and into the wilderness where they wander, but he's given this very clear command to be holy as I am holy and be marked by who God is. So when people run into the Israelites wandering in the desert, they're like, okay, there's something different about these people. That's at least the command. And obviously, the, if you've read any about the Old Testament and the people who are trying to follow God, just like us present day, man, they're stumbling over themselves left and right, but that's the design. Isaiah is a, a prophet in the Old Testament. In Isaiah 43, 10, This is what the Lord says to him. He says, you are my witness. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord. And my servant whom I have chosen that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. So even Isaiah in the Old Testament, there's this this declaration. That's who you are called to be. You are called to be people who testify that I am the one true God. That's your mission. That's your purpose. That's your design. New Testament, New Testament, Jesus himself preaches the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. He says in Matthew 5, to the community that has gathered there, he gives them this command. He says in Matthew 5, 14 through 16, you are the light of the world to these people who are following Christ. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus lays out our design and our mission for what this community, with this crowd of people is called to do. You're called to be a light. You're called to be a light declaring and making much so that when people see you, they don't give you credit. They see you as a community and they think, okay, there's something different. And they, they what? They give glory to your Father who is in heaven. They have a mission to bring him glory. Acts, in the book of Acts, right after Jesus has already gone up and ascended and started the church in chapter 10, verse 42. And he commanded, this is them telling them what the, what the New Testament church in the very first generation of the New Testament church. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. But they are a community on trial, declaring who God is. I want you to be overwhelmed with this theme throughout scripture, Old Testament, New Testament. I didn't even get to the epistles. right? Paul, in all of the letters that Paul wrote, all of, all of the, the letters to the different churches are all communities that he's urging, go and be on mission in the cities that you're in. Be the church set apart, but also proclaiming him. Philippians which is one of the letters that Paul writes to the Philippians. He says in chapter 2 verse 15 that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. And last one, I know I'm drowning you in scripture, but I'm not I'm not going to apologize. It's good. Last one, Peter, right? A totally different apostle, right? So not just Paul, not just the New Testament or the Gospels. Peter proclaims to his followers of what community should look like. In chapter two, verse nine, Peter, different person, different angle, same function for community. He says this, but you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. He's not talking about Jews here either. He's talking about anyone who puts their faith in Christ is now a part of this new holy nation community. Gentiles, Jews, everyone who's in Christ is now this Holy nation, a people for his own possession, that with a function, you are those things, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Biblical community. Maybe you are not a believer in this room or watching, and I love that you're here. You're not in the wrong place Tonight and throughout this series, you get a behind-the-curtain look at what the heck is biblical community supposed to look like? I know their movies stink, but what are they actually supposed to be like, right? And you're getting a behind-the-scenes look at what it is. I love that you're here. I love that you're here, and I hope that you see what they're designed to do, because I'm going to be honest, we've all been burned by that. We've all been burned by the hypocrisy of biblical community that didn't shine as a light but ended up deterring us or, or turning us off. So many people have experienced that, and that's real and valid, but... The design is here in front of us. And so we are called, if you are in Christ, to be a part of community. We spent three months talking about it. That community isn't for yourself. It's to make much of Jesus to a lost and dying world around you. To testify to others. To To be these groups of people that show grace to people who disagree with them. A community of people who because they love Jesus have compassion for people that don't look like them or don't even believe what they believe but can still meet those people with kindness and compassion. Like that's what community is called to be. These testament, this group of people that can, can lovingly speak into other people's lives in kind and honest ways and receive it and desire it. And it says that the this idea of sharpening each other. And the world around us should see that. And that they should, they should blow their mind. How can people love this way? How can people show grace this way? How can people show kindness and compassion? How can they speak honestly and truthfully? It's this amazing, glorifying thing that we're designed for. And what it does when we function the way we're supposed to function is it makes much of Jesus because there's this common thread. It's not just like, oh, Casey's a really nice guy or Josh is a really kind person. It's okay, this whole community, there's something unique about them and it's this thread of the Holy Spirit, of people who've submitted their lives and have been shown kindness, showing grace and truth to other people. Um, if, If your friends if you're a circle, if you're following Christ and profess to follow Christ and you look around your your specific community and if your specific community isn't focused on making much of Christ to those who are outside your community, then you are not fully functioning the way you are called to function. You are going to get stale. You are going to get frustrated. That is not how community was designed to function. If your desire to be in community and to not let other people in, if you're threatened and scared about the idea of change, which change is scary, but the idea of, wait, if we, if we let in other people into this and if we become this inclusive community that welcomes other people in who, who maybe don't all agree with what we agree with, if we have an inability to become uncomfortable then that inability to become uncomfortable is going to handicap us from functioning how we're called to function. God's people have been given a mission to make much of him to the world around us. Where we're going the next three weeks is really zooming in on that. Uh, in our groups, the next three weeks, Josh is going to teach through uh, three really practical ways that that's going to play out. And the first is you know, really what happens when we hit roadblocks on that mission. Right? If you're called to be in, in, on mission, okay, what happens when you hit roadblocks? What happens when you run into people who mock you? What happens when you're living on mission and you run into people who are intrigued by you? Are you prepared with an answer? What happens when when you run into people who believe? And then what what do we do and how do we walk with them? And what does that look like real practically is where we're gonna go next week. The week after that, we'll talk about really what it means to neighbor well and this biblical concept of neighboring well. And it's so much deeper than what we would just think of as neighboring well. And then three weeks from now, we'll talk about what discipleship on mission really is and should be. That's where we're going the next three weeks in our renovate groups. Our hope and prayer is that you put it in practice, right? That we don't just learn about these things, that we put them in practice. And that in your groups and in your community and as we're digging into scripture, going deeper here uh, this, this next month, that we put that into practice. But here's the challenge I wanna leave you for tonight. Uh, tonight, before you walk out of here, here's the challenge that I, um, I wanna put before you. Um, <clears throat> It's this, it's first, know who you are. If you're going to start to function within a community, you as an individual in a biblical community that's designed to love others and love outsiders and proclaim him to the world around us, you've gotta start with knowing who you are. And if you think like, oh, I'm, I'm artsy and fun and sassy. No, I don't care, that's not what I mean, <clears throat> I don't care about you. I mean, I care about you. I don't care about your personality, right? I mean, know who you are. I mean, know who you are in the sense of what 2 Corinthians 5, 17, how scripture defines who we are. How if you are in Christ, you have now been given this identity. That's what I mean. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Paul says this. He says, therefore, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That's who you are, right? Sin has broken us. So sin has taken us and broken everyone in this room. We're broken people who come here and don't sing and worship and raise our hands and get excited because we earned it, because we were good, because we checked the box. We come in broken people who have been redeemed and been made new. So our worship is not us earning religious points to draw closer to God. Our worship is response to the fact that our God has seen us as old and broken and janky and said, I love you and I'm gonna make you new because that's what I do. I'm a creator who takes old and broken things and I make them new. And so our worship and our lives respond to that gospel. We were broken because of sin, every one of us. And if you have fought that and and tried to deny that and say, well, I'm not as bad as that other person and you compare your life to a, a, a greater sinner, then you are focused on the wrong object as opposed to comparing your life to a God who says, be holy as I am holy. And yet he then sent Jesus Christ who lived the perfect life, who lived the life that I was called to live and came up way short who lived that life and took the punishment that I deserved and rose again. And now for those who have put their faith, we get this newness of life and we're new creations and the gospel, the good news has taken what is bad news and it's made it good news because I'm now this new creation. And even in Romans 8, it says that now even that I'm made new, nothing can separate me. So it's not just I was made new one time, but then I could lose my newness. No, no, that once I'm saved, I can, nothing can ever separate me from the love of Christ again. Um, and I, I say that as tonight's challenge, which is all about community as a mission. But I say that as our challenge of knowing who you are, because if you try to live your life on mission. And it's not coming from a place of knowing who you are, that you are a new creation. You will fail. You will run an exhausting, unwinnable race that victory has already been granted to you. If you are trying to serve people and love people and shine the light of Jesus in the world around you, but you are trying to do it to earn God's favor, Or you are trying to do it, to pay for something that happened in your past. That is an exhausting marathon that you are not called to run. And so our challenge tonight is not just let's go love people. Our challenge starts with let's know, let's figure out who we are, that we are new, not because we earned it, but because we've been given newness. And from that place of grace. We respond from that great place of grace is what we proclaim. But if we try to leave here and just say, oh man, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna live this better life. I'm gonna love people well. I'm gonna testify to who he is. But I still think I'm trying to earn it or I'm trying to wash off some baggage that I brought with me. then I want to encourage you, stop. Just stop. Before you start trying to be a light on a hill, Stop. And come to grips with the fact that you have nothing to offer other than the grace that has made you new. Come to grips with the fact that your father, if you are in Christ, no longer holds your past against you. You're new. Do you believe it? Do you know it? We then, from that place, we then worship. We then proclaim We then know that we're made new and we proclaim that. That's where it starts and that's everything else in between. We rest on the newness that he has given us. And then once you know who you are, then you've got to know what you've been given. If you know who you are, that I'm not my own, I was bought at a price and I'm made new and it's by his grace and I don't have to earn it and all and I'm not paying or washing off because I couldn't do that, then we know who we are, then we know what we've been given and what we've been given we see in the next two verses in chapter five of 2 Corinthians. It's verse 18 and 19 and Paul says this, and this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Um, Something has been given to us, Renovate. If you are in Christ, then you are not only made new, but you are given a function and a mission that has now been given to you that as someone who has been, as Second Corinthians says, been reconciled, you have now been given the ministry of reconciliation. You have a job to do. You have a job to do. And when we get that command and we see that and we know that it's not a job that we earned and it's not a job that's going to earn us anything, then it, proclaim, it pushes us out to do that job, to be ministers of reconciliation, which is what we'll dig into even more and more in the next three weeks. But it, it looks like in all of these places, professing that we were dead and now we're alive. We have a job to do. My, uh, I got two boys, a seven-year-old and a four-year-old, Charlie and Miles, um, And Charlie is a rule follower, man. He's the oldest uh, kid, and he's a lot like his mom, and so he's awesome, and he's a rule follower. Miles is a lot like me, and he doesn't know how to follow rules. Um, You give Charlie a job, and he'll do it. It might be slow, and it might be poorly done, honestly, but he gets it done, right, in a seven-year-old kind of way. You give Miles a job, you give Miles a job, and he will there's just no way. Like he just, he has, he is unable and it will just say, Miles, and it'll be something simple. Like, Miles, will you move your shoes from there and put them back in the, in the shoe basket? Oh, my leg hurts. Like literally, he'll do that. Like he'll be like out playing around and he'll be like, hey, Miles, will you put your dish, uh, will you put your dish in the sink? I'm so tired. Huh? Like, he'll like pretend to fall asleep while walking. Church, we've been given a job to do. The God of the universe, in verse seventeen of chapter five, says, "Hey, you're a new creation." And in the very next two verses, he said, "You've been reconciled. You've been reconciled, and you've been given this ministry of reconciliation to share with others." And we think, "Yes, new creations. We've been reconciled. Given a ministry of reconciliation. Oh, my leg hurts. Ah, oh, it's uncomfortable. Ah, oh, it could be weird." I don't know how to do that. Ah, what if I don't have a good response? Ah, I don't know anyone to reconcile. Ah, that's for people who get paid to do that. If you're in Christ, you've been given a job to do. Know what you've been given. And then lastly, go and do it. Go and do it. Go live out this calling you have been made for. Without it, you won't function the way you're designed to function. Community. Be in community. We've talked about it for three months. And then in that community, as an individual, be a leader that says, man, how can we be a light to others? How can we include others into this? How can you individually be a witness to others and also utilize the biblical community around you? Go and do it. Verse 20 of chapter five. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. So we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Would we not miss the purpose that God has designed for us to be in community? It's not for ourselves. It's not just so we won't be lonely. We're designed for it. It's hard to not be in different depths and levels of community. But at every level of biblical community, it is designed for more than just our own comfort, it's designed for a mission to go and proclaim and make much of the God of the universe. And our hope and prayer is that not only you would realize who you are, but you would put that mission you've been given into practice and make much of God and that you'd walk with us, man. If you're not in community or you don't know community like that, then just connect with us then we'll get you in community like that because this thing is about him. It's not about us. It's not about a ministry. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about him. Remember where that starts. It starts with us going before the cross and being reconciled as broken people. So what we're gonna do now is I'm gonna pray and then we're not gonna sing. I, I, I challenge you to not sing songs. I know Casey's heart is not that you would sing lyrics, but that you would now proclaim the truth of who you are as someone who has been broken but then been reconciled. And that would be a proclamation out of your lips if you have to preach it to yourself while singing so that when we leave this room, we leave changed, by the gospel and what he's done. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you. Thank you for how you love us. We love you because you first loved us. And we are so grateful for that. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you that we we don't just live this mission uh, in some some trite, rule-following way, that, that your mission isn't just another Box to check on our Christian to-do list but that the mission you've given us comes from what should be a genuine response to a reconciled people that where we get to start is we get to start by being a people who proclaim about the restoration that you've brought us that we were dead before we were in Christ and now we're alive would that be the song that we sing for your glory In the name of Jesus, amen. We hope today's message was impactful and God used it to be part of the transforming work He wants to do in your life. Look, our desire is that this isn't just a resource you would listen to, but that this is really a community you would belong to. If you have any further questions, you just want to talk or need prayer, reach out to us. Our contact info is on the website, renovateftw.org, or connect with us on our social media at renovateftw, and we would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you again soon.